Now, I have to ask you, do you have a favorite line or one that you remember most or had the most fun delivering over the past four years? There's a lot of great ones from season one. Like, fuck nugget, sorry, but fuck nugget is hilarious. Yeah, no, you can you can swear on the podcast. It's like crazy. I love You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. In 2017, Julia Garner catapulted into the spotlight with her portrayal of the ruthless, sharp-tongued, yet vulnerable Ruth Langmore, quickly becoming a favorite within the Ozark fan community. Four seasons and five years later, after Julia won two Emmys for her performance on the series, Ozark has finally come to a close. Julia is here today to discuss wrapping up this chapter of her life and her other recent ventures, including her work on the Shondaland series, Inventing Anna. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm excited that we were able to figure all of this out, and I cannot wait for tomorrow. It's going to be a beautiful shoot with Collier, and I'm going to see you tonight at the Ozark, you know, FYC extravaganza but it's just great to see your face and I think about like I got to see you so much and then it was COVID and I I never saw you again I know it's like so weird I was just telling Cassidy because you know the the technology difficulties like everything everything just feels so weird and it it feels like it hasn't really gone back a hundred percent but it's it's slowly getting there. I'm just thrilled to see you. And I'm always like, I was so excited about doing this. And then tomorrow too, you know, when I got the, you know, I was in London and when I got the phone call I, from Christine, I was just like, I was so excited because I, I love the, I don't even want to say it's like a magazine because it's like, it's a book, it's a booklet. I just, it's the, the article, everything. It just, what you're doing is just, I feel like it's so it's so important. It's just, you know, getting, reading the process of everybody and all these amazing artists. It's, it's really amazing. Oh, well, I thank, so thank you for you. that. <laughs> thank you. All right. Welcome, Julia Garner. I mean, this is what a year for you, uh, at least on screen. <laughs> I know personally, it's been super busy, but um, it's kind of, it's the stuff that dreams are made of, I would imagine, as an actress to have, um these big, gigantic, juicy roles in, you know, obviously playing Anna Delvey, uh, huge. And then the final season of Ozark and my favorite character and many others, Ruth Langmore. So uh, it's a, we've got a lot to talk about. But one of the things I want to ask you is Inventing Anna was your first time playing a real person who was very much in the public eye. Did you have an opinion about Anna going into the role? And did playing her make you change your opinion? Yeah, for sure. I mean, every character, it's like that because you really get to know the person. It's not just a person on the page. It's a person that you become and that you experience because you are that person for a period of time. Um, I think, I think what I saw that I discovered with Anna Delvey that we can all identify with is wanting to be seen in a way. Um, Or wanting not so much to be seen as more to be acknowledged. And I'm only saying everybody wanting to feel that way is because maybe you don't want to be seen, but, but you want to be one wants to be acknowledged in a way. I think acknowledgement is a really important quality that people have to give universally is acknowledgement. Um, Because a terrible feeling is feeling insignificant in a way. Um, It's just, it's a hard feeling. I I only know this, (laughs) not only because I'm an actor, but, you know, but because I guess also just playing characters that um you know and and going back to Ruth talk about like being the underdog in a way um so but I also love those characters because people identify with those characters and that's that's also why I love what I do is because I I I I I want I don't want I I like having people not feel uh so alone in a way and Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what 
a successful movie or a TV show, whether you love the character or you hate it, it doesn't make you feel alone. Right. It's interesting in inventing Anna. You know, I wasn't in New York uh, during that time. Um, I was obviously in in L.A., but hearing about it vaguely, but seeing it, um, seeing you play her was incredible to me was the what it must have been like to visit her in prison, because it's like when you say about being seen or heard, so much of her was the exterior, right? And and the visual and the audio. So it was like the distinct accent, what she looked like, the sunglasses, the trappings, the bag. And then you see her in person, right, in prison without all of that. But she still has that <laughs> that humor, at least portrayed beautifully in the um, in well, that's, the, those scenes. That's the thing. I, that's really why I wanted to meet her was she's a very private person. I knew that I wasn't going to get, um, answers that I wanted to get just reading about her, knowing about her. I knew that there were certain things that I had to really lower my expectation of what information I was getting from her. But what I really wanted to capture, um, was her spirit. And that was her spirit. She was hilarious and she's extremely clever. And that's also very terrifying all at the same same time. And you know what? But in a weird way, it's terrifying. But I also love that about her, too. You know, so um, take the good and the bad. I, I you kind of people are people. And that's and I and I love that. You know, well, also uh, what I loved about this series was they did have that disclaimer, like this is based on facts, except for all the stuff we made up, you know, so you get the idea that this is not, uh, you know, it's not a biopic, but you are playing out um, a lot of this stuff. I'm curious, did you ever hear from her once um, she saw it? Because I'm sure there was Netflix and in prison. I mean, I I heard. I mean, yeah, I I I haven't heard from her directly. I I've been hearing like some of the things that she was uh, saying about the project, and and I'm happy that she seems happy with it. Um, which that was that was a very uh, that worried me a little bit, to be honest. It's always it always stresses. I feel like an actor out when you're playing a real person, especially when they're alive and and hoping that they'll like the performance. I mean, one of the things that when I met her, you know, she asked me how, how's shooting going and um, what, what I'm hoping for the project. And I just told her because at this time, like nobody knew how she sounded like she didn't have any interviews and she was just kind of like a page six poster child in, in a way. And, um, I just told her, I was like, listen, like, I, I just want you to, uh, I just want people to, they don't have to love you. They can think whatever they want to think, but I want people to be willing to understand why you did certain behaviors in a way. I said, I, I just don't want you to be a character anymore rather than a person. And you don't have to love the person, but you have to be willing to understand why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you accomplished that. I mean, it was it was great to to see you take on this kind of role with this this many levels to it. And and you did you walk in and she's part kind of sociopathic, right? And her ability, that confidence to be able to carry on this lie. It's a great line in the show. I think it was uh, Laverne Cox's character who's like the Anna Delvey in prison isn't the Anna Delvey that we know. <laughs> you know, it's like two different two different people. But um, one thing I learned when I was reading, I didn't realize you were shooting both of these because of COVID and everything back to back. So you're going from the... I'm oh- still not recovered from it, Chris. <laughs> I don't even know how. I feel, I'm still not recovered from it. It's still like, I feel like I've aged like, you know, 15 years, but it's fine. It's all worth it. <laughs> I mean, just keeping the, I mean, obviously the wigs, the wig, the, you know, the wardrobe, you step into each character, you're, it, it is a very physical uh, transformation, obviously, for both Ruth and the, the wardrobe and, and obviously with uh, Anna Delvey, the wigging and all that stuff. But like, how did you keep that stuff straight and even the accents? It was so hard. It was kind of one of those things that when people ask me, I I don't really have an answer because, you know, one of those, it's like a period of time in one's life that you kind of just 
do it and you don't really think about it. It was one of those. There's no like answer. It was really hard. And I still think like, I don't know how I did it. And I don't really want to know because if I ever have to do something like that again, like I think the the main thing is, is not to overthink about it and just to do it. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's like one day at a time, right? You just got to get through it. And at, Well, it, at that point, it's like kind of more is like a one hour at a time. Even even you kind of just it's like you can't just look at the whole cake. You have to do one little bite mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. So what was the favorite? Did you have a favorite look that you got to wear as uh, in Inventing Anna? I mean, there's so many amazing looks. I, it, it was it was honestly such a treat because being Ruth, I love Ruth, but her wardrobe is, you know, it's it's Ruth. Um, so it was really amazing wearing these unbelievable clothes that I would not have like, yeah, sure. Maybe I would wear at a premiere if that designer gave it me the dress to wear, but I wouldn't have those in my closet. I mean, it was insane. Um, I think my favorite look would prop as the character when I felt the most like Anna would probably be. I wore this and Anna did have this dress when I had the brown wig with the glasses and I had this Alaya dress on. It was like a baby doll dress. And Anna had that exact same dress. And I felt the most like Anna in that dress. And I had a super padded bra and like <laughs> just I didn't feel like me at all. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really uh, nice in a way. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah, I, like I said, and and all the the characters, it's just amazing, uh, how many institutions she was able to breach successfully, and obviously it was always going to be a short, um, you know, the runway, you know, she ran out of runway at a certain point, um, yeah. but I can't think of a better person to kind of uh, put her, you know, put her on screen than you, I have to say. I, at first, when you were cast, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this. Let's see her tackle this. And the accent was incredible. Then you listen to her talk. And I, I don't even know how you were able to do that. But it was exactly. Well, that's the crazy thing is, is that she actually her accent in the last few years have got has gotten more Americanized because she was in an American prison. But uh, she, but this happened, I want to say, around 2014, 2015, I think, this all went down. So she sounded much more European. So I had footage. Uh, Shonda was able to get footage when she was in Rikers the first two weeks um, when Jessica Pressler interviewed her. And it was like, it's unseen footage. And I had all this footage. So I was just... Uh, imitating her from how she was talking in those interviews, those unseen interviews. And those were the first two weeks when she came to Rikers. So that's really how she spoke at that. She had that weird, that European mutt accent. I mean, it's, it's a crazy accent. That doesn't smell. But- <laughs> I call it the tax evader accent. Yeah. You're like, where are you from? Or you just live in Monaco? <laughs> what what is yeah. that? No, it's it's so it's like I grew up in Geneva. It's like always like some like I grew up in Geneva and Monaco and you know, I live in one of the Caribbean islands or something. <laughs> right. Always uh the jet set, the jet set accent. Yeah. Um all right, let's go, let's talk to let's talk about Ruth. Let's talk about Ozark because this is the show I've I've feel changed your life as a actress and probably as a person um, because it catapulted you into this business like a rocket ship, basically. And the character, Ruth Langmore, everyone fell in love with her. It was written so well. It was performed so well. Obviously, you got acknowledged for that. And you're working with Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, Chris Mundy. I mean, the list goes on like a it's like the best cast you could possibly work with at a perfect time such a dream job it 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 makes it really difficult i mean i i've been very lucky that i've had amazing experiences all around but ozark's on a whole other level i mean the material's amazing but also just the shooting 
the project, the actual experience, experiencing of uh, working on Ozark is just, it's, it's, yeah, you have Ozark standards in a way. Yeah. The O standards. Yeah. So it's in, it, what is great about this show is during, co, you know, during the pandemic, so many people rediscovered it. And I, I believe they had it on their list of like, oh, I've got to watch this. And all of a sudden the world shuts down. Everybody watches this show. I think within just the first week of the finale, Ozark amassed nearly 2.6 billion minutes viewed, which is just incredible. So you the team goes about doing season four, right? How, what was your reaction when you read the scripts and you knew what was going to happen to Ruth? For season four. For the, season the four, final. yeah, for the final season. You know, it's crazy. So this, I found out kind of early on, I want to say month two within shooting, the, the first half of season four, not the second half. So how I work is I usually do this... Um, dream work. Uh, I, I, I always, when I prep a script, I always want to, you know, I, I meditate and I try to remove myself and I try to ask myself questions and answer it within the character. So it's kind of a subconscious thing. What that's maybe not in the script in a sense. And one of the questions that I asked myself I asked, what are you afraid of? I asked Ruth and I answered, meaning Ruth answered, I'm afraid to die. And I thought that was really weird because I've done meditative work with my acting work for years now and as Ruth and I've never, Ruth has, has never been afraid to die in a sense. She's always felt like she's, you know, She's just the show must go on type of thing. And I, I asked, I said, why are you afraid to die? And she, meaning I at that moment was because I don't see myself being an old lady. I can't see myself being an old lady. I'm just, I'm not, I have to get certain things done with, like I have to finish certain things. And that really scared me and that freaked me out. And then I was like, okay, like, and I completely, I was like, let, let me just bring myself back in and take that out for a second. And then 30 seconds later, and I, and I started journaling that because I meditate and I don't want to forget it. So then I journal it right away. And 30 seconds later, I got a phone call from Chris and he's like, Hey, and I said, Hey, and he's like, I need to talk to you. I said, I'm dying. Am I dying? And he's like, yeah, who told you? I was like, no, no, no. I said, Chris, I have like full body chills. Like uh-huh. I did like meditative work as Ruth. And one of the questions that I asked was, what are you afraid of? And she answered, I was, I'm afraid to die. I feel like I'm not going to live long. That's... <laughs> So you like even I mean, can you imagine the stress he had making that phone call? Because when I talked to him, no, but I knew it. I knew it. And then you already knew it. Then you're like, yeah, yeah. Am I dying? That's amazing. That's amazing. Because it is. But it was more that she it's not so much that she knew that she was going to die. I think she knew that she wasn't going to be an old lady. Well, it's also that has to do with future. She couldn't see her future in a way. Like, what would that future look like for her? Would it be Darlene? Would she be in this continuing thing? It's like, it's interesting that she couldn't see herself. And even though we get so close, perilously close with Ruth in this, uh, you know, last season about she's building the pool, she's figured it out. She got the inheritance, you know, that whole. She already, that's the thing. I think what I was picking up was not sound, it's sounding really dark, but she already died. Her soul already died. Mm -hmm. She was just physically on this earth. Yeah. You know, when and when she was trying to make it right and trying to build that relationship up with Wyatt, but so much she did so much damage that it was kind of she was trying she was lying to herself, acting like maybe things will be okay, 
But then when he actually died, there was no, um, he's gone. There's no, there's no purpose for her anymore. Um, and yeah, sure. Three, but she completely, she just completely died in, in a way like uh, emotionally, her soul died. She kind of just had, she was on a mission by episode eight. She was on a mission and she thought that maybe that would boost her up a little bit, like do some kind of quick fix, but it didn't in a way because her soul already died. Mm -hmm. So knowing that as an actress, what, like for for your work, that last episode, which was directed by Jason, and I understand was grueling for a lot of reasons. You know, I think it was in the middle of the night. It was actually the last day of shooting, I guess. that, that <laughs> The last scene, scene ever <laughs> on Ozark. The, <laughs> the last scene. What was your emotional state uh, that day slash night? It was very weird because Ruth does feel like a part of me. And going back to what you were saying, it's changed my life professionally, but it's also changed my life personally in, in many, many ways. I mean, the thing that I um, can say that Ruth taught me was, and she gave, not so much taught me, but she gave me, was the sense of confidence that I've never had that I've always struggled with my whole life. And kind of that, um, what's the worst mentality in a way? And I think there's something really beautiful about that, putting yourself completely out there in a way. So I'm very um, grateful that I played her, not only because it was an amazing part, but because I, I got something that you don't get every day, which is a sense of true confidence, not this facade in a way. Mm -hmm. Well, as a fan of the show, it's interesting because I thought about this a lot myself, knowing that I was going to be speaking to you, that it was really devastating to me to have Ruth die, because no matter what, I was always rooting for her, which is so uh, interesting, because like you said, she does a lot of crazy screwed up things and kind of is her own worst enemy at times. But there's something about the character and the way you played her. We were always rooting for Ruth and we wanted her to have that swimming pool. We wanted her to have that, you know, second act or whatever, uh, because she's so young. And we and and I when I thought about why am I rooting for her, it was also that the confidence and it, it's mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. Like, she just had so, like, balls. She's a slight little thing and all the dialogue and the way she just she dressed. She didn't, she didn't, though. She didn't, she didn't. As soon as her father came in the picture, she did not. Right. You know? Right. And True. I feel like that's something that people can identify with, too. You know, where you come from, how you can be a certain kind of person, but as soon as you have certain family members or certain people from your past that kind of shaped, you know, shaped you or um, you had a trauma when you were a child, how you instantly get stuck in that same time warp and that same void in, in a sense, it brings you back. So it's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, she, she does have comp, but she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, she's like, a, she's a kid. She, she has something very ch- childlike about her. And, and I think the difference between the first few seasons and this last season was that she was so not okay with who she was. She tried to reinvent herself in such a way and tried to be something that she's not. And by the end of it, she realized that who she is and what she is is not that bad. And then it just became too late. Mm-hmm. because she was just trying to un, uh, not be her herself. And I think that's very dangerous when it's, ve- it's a very dangerous thing when people don't have ownership of themselves. Mm-hmm. And she like came to it a little too late. Too late. And same with Anna Delvey. She was trying to be something that she wasn't. What do you think would happen if these two characters met? 
Um, I think they, at first they would judge each other because of like how they look and what they're wearing and just their spirits. But I think they, I think they like surprising people. So I think they would end up actually like loving each other and they both love rap music. They both like, they both, they're just characters. I think they would end up falling in love with each other, but, (laughs) but I think in the beginning they wouldn't like each other. Oh my god. Well let well before I talk about the last last scene, Killer Mike, you, you just reminded me, like when we first met, you talked about your own love of nineties hip hop. And yeah. then as Ruth, who loves also hip hop, and that great scene in the diner. Like how tell me about how that came about and that because I love that scene because you really see Ruth's so like, oh, it's so heartbreaking that scene. Uh, sorry, I, I just wanted to say I really love your shit. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what you bumping? Oh, uh, nothing. Just stuck in the past. All facts. It always feels to me like he hates it and misses it all at once. And he's only fucking 20. You know, when I listen to that record, his projects are in Queens and you can kind of see Manhattan. And I've always thought it was so hopeful and fucking cruel at the same time. You ever wonder if he'd trade that record if it meant not having to go through all that shit. And if you gotta ask a question, you should take it easy on the coffee. Me? Uh, I never sleep. Why not? You know. Loved it. Well, you see Ruth get excited for a split second in that episode. She actually genuinely forgets about all of her problems and she's just enjoying her time with someone in a way. And you haven't seen that in a long time. She's, I feel like I'm always crying or I'm always like, not a lot of joy. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of joy. But then there is sometimes joy when she's like, I don't know, picking on Sam or something, like some kind of weird thing like that but it was he's so lovely and it was just such an honor to have him on our set and he's like he's an Atlanta legend in a way so it just it was like the perfect thing to to end with to have Killer Mike and he did such a beautiful job he did oh I love that exchange it was like how you want every exchange to be between a fan and and an artist it was great I loved it yeah or just like two people just Mm -hmm. talking about art you know exactly all right let's talk about ruth's final moments at the langmore trailer park with camilla because this scene is truly one of the most intense and heartbreaking moments from the entire show how'd you find out claire short told me I'm not sorry. Your son was a murdering bitch. And now I know where he got it from. gonna fucking do this shit or what the moment where ruth finds out that it was claire who betrayed her and not the birds 
is just so well played. You see it all on her face. In fact, it's like you see all four seasons just flash across her face. It did. I was just like thinking about all four seasons and thinking like, this is the last time I'm ever going to step on these grounds. This is crazy. But it was so perfect that that was the last scene that I filmed. I mean, it, it's just, it's uncanny. I wasn't acting. I was just being because I didn't need to act because I've been this person for so long. And and I did feel like I was dying because essentially I was in a, mm-hmm. in a way. Oh, and that tension. And then Camilla, she's like thinking, well, wait, I kind of like her. Am I really going to kill her? Like, oh, wait, I'm going to kill her. And then when you're just like, are we going to do this or what? It was like you were Ruth until the very end, until the until the very end. You you got you had, you know, you challenged her, which was like so part of Ruth. You're not going to beg for your life. You're not going to do anything. You're just going to, you know, which made this character so unique. But well, I think it's also it's a power dynamic. You know, it's, um, I think it's like a, she came out, all of a sudden Ruth didn't have the power because Camilla had the gun, but Ruth would not want to end her life, not having the power over the situation. So she's going to be the one to be like, no, please kill me. (laughs) Not that polite, but you know, just control. She is going to want to control the situation. Totally. So she can at least die like that. But I also think, too, that, again, with her soul dying, but her physically just being on this earth, that I think Ruth, for this last, this whole last season, she was kind of in this headspace. And this was actually a very hard headspace to live in for a year straight was that she, not that it's like suicidal in a sense, but it's, this is going to sound so dark, but it's almost like, you know, when someone just feels that there's no hope whatsoever, that if they got hit by a car or if they got killed or if they got an opportunity to get killed, that they just, they wouldn't care so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what she was feeling. And that's when her whole life was coming in in the final season that she got that opportunity and she didn't really care whether she was going to die because she actually lost all of her hope because she did get all those things. Her name got cleared. Everything was opening up for her. And that was making her happy temporarily at the moment, but but it still wasn't fixing her biggest hole in her heart. It wasn't filling that. So she kind of, I think, I don't think she cared that much. And I think that's why going back to the meditation, that's why I didn't see myself as an old lady because I don't think she could see herself living like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. Um, Sorry. (laughs) But, but, But that's really what it was. And that was a really really, really um, depressing mindset to be in for a year. It was very hard. Um, But, you know, I'm happy that it's done with (laughs) because I don't know, like it, it was it was hard. It was definitely hard. So the white dress Mm-hmm. What perfect! I think it was a Halston dress too. By was the way. it a Halston dress? Yeah. Oh my god! It looks so. It was so gorgeous. Finally, Ruth had a fashion moment, right? And I know I'm like Halston. Okay, <laughs> out of those, out of those jeans and 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 tank tops. Um, how many takes did you do for that last scene? I don't remember because we had different coverage on it. Um. And I think we wrapped at like 5.30 in the morning or something crazy, like, or some like, I think like at 6.30 and everybody was just so excited that nobody, I think I came home at like 9 a.m. just because everybody was like, yeah, we're done, but it's like 7 a.m., you know? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I kind of like blacked out. It was like, a, it was an out-of-body experience. It felt like I was like a ghost. So I don't really remember because mm-hmm. I, I think I was, it just felt weird. 
Mm. I also was wearing a dress that made me feel like a ghost. <laughs> With that little bullet, that that red. Oh, so good. Oh my god. Yeah, and then it looked like some cool, like off on guard, like off on guard, like art in a way, like some inst- like some weird installation piece. Which it I was, was all perfect. Into. It was so satisfying. So deeply emotional and and the way everything tied up it was the most um i felt at least in my opinion the most satisfying ending to one of those uh long long series you know where you're that are deep it's so deep and so layered like you said there's just like so many things that you're keeping track of and emotions and the way that everyone changes throughout um the show and we watch those kids grow up too which is kind of incredible i love love that whole plot line with jonah and whatnot but I want to ask you about Jason and obviously about Laura, because Laura, when I interviewed her um, a couple of years ago, she's like, I'm never going to direct. I mean, I, I'm just an actress. I want to be act. I mean, there's other people that want me to direct, but I just love doing what I do. And she directed one of the best episodes, uh, The Pound oh. of Flesh and Still Kicking. I mean, with with Marty Bird going postal, as they say. I mean, incredible. And then of obviously Jason with Jason in the car, getting uh, out of the car. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. That was it. his best. I think that was probably my favorite scene of his this season. I would agree with Un- you. I mean, I, yeah. Unbelievable. And she directed that episode, which is amazing. It's so great. Um, and for you being directed by Jason, I mean, is there can you talk a little bit about being directed by your by co-stars and also what that means for you? Did do you think that you would want to direct did that give you another confidence to look towards maybe directing your own i mean well first of all working with jason and laura as two directors i can say working with jason for years it's a dream working with laura it's a dream just in terms of her directing actors i mean the way she she know the way her communication skills in terms of directing with actors is I've never worked with a director that directed an actor like that um, because she's such an amazing actress. And Jason is also a genius uh, communicate. He communicates in, in, he's just such a genius communicator in a way. So, but also just Jason's understanding with the camera and um, respecting everybody. But at the same time, he doesn't waste any time. You know, you work with a lot of people and a lot of times they just make actors like wait around and they're not being considerate that a lot of times, you know, the actors are in the corner of a room, like just kind of holding on to this emotion and this pent up emotion. And they're just like waiting to just explode essentially. And they're like, Oh, well, a camera change and this and, and Jason's just so efficient and, brilliant um so just both working with both of them and I was just so impressed with Laura like I was I'm already impressed with Laura every single day I have to pinch myself that I'm like oh my god it's Laura Linney but just seeing how quickly the fact that she was like I don't know if I can ever direct I'm like this is a lie because clearly you could just you could you could do this for the rest of your life and you would be you know fine so yeah (laughs) more than fine but yeah no well I hope to see you behind a camera at some point um in your career maybe not not in the immediate future but eventually um in a little bit because I think you'd be great you'd be great at it um oh my god I see that's the thing that would it would you know it would really scare me to because I think I I see somebody like a Jason who has such an understanding with like camera stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know, but you know, but Laura said the same thing too. (laughs) too. So, so I, I guess I I, I would, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I just love telling stories and I feel like directing and acting are actually very similar. It's just, it's just storytelling really. Yeah, it is. And then there's other people to help you with all that stuff. I mean, scary's good, but it's always good to be a little bit scared. I have to talk about the many Ruthisms that came out of this series because she has delivered some of the best insults and one-liners that any show 
has ever seen. We actually did a roundup of the best Ruth lines for Q, but we couldn't even print all of our favorites because of the colorful language she likes to use. But I have a few of those clips here for our listeners. Again, warning, uh, lots of profanity. What I'm telling you is Wendy's playing chess and you're playing fucking Candyland. Cunt likes to kick! Oh, yo, what the fuck is going Get some, skinny bitch! I don't work for you no more. And just because you let that cunt get her fist up your ass does not mean you can get yours up mine. Are we clear? What the fuck are you gonna do? Kill me? You fucking bitch wolf! I wouldn't fuck you if your dick were made out of gold. If you want to stop me, you're going to have to fucking kill me! They're infamous. Oh, I love them. Do you have a favorite line or one that you remember most or had the most fun delivering over the past four years? There's so many. I, I don't even, like, I know that there's some that I'm forgetting, even from season one. There's a lot of great ones from season one. Like, fuck nugget, sorry, but fuck nugget is hilarious. Yeah, no, you can you can swear on the podcast. <laughs> and if you want to take that chunk of your payday and open a bait shop. And tackle. And you go right on. In the meantime, shut your fuck nugget mouth and get the hell out. But, but uh, fuck nugget's hilarious. The, there was one I forget with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Okay, well, obviously I didn't kill anyone. I know if you're a killer, then I'm fucking Snow White and I don't see any dwarfs around. <laughs> it's really funny. I don't too. see any dwarfs around. And then also, I remember I had some crazy line where I was giving like these kids cash. I remember, and I was like, if you guys don't do what I say, I'm going to take a dull fucking blade and cut you <laughs> You're clear what we talked about. Don't worry, we got this. Smoking stunts your growth. All right, listen, motherfuckers. If you deviate from the plan, I'll take a dull fucking blade and cut y'all. <laughs> it's like crazy. Oh. I love it. Or, oh, and then another, you know, now I'm remembering. Now I'm like on this. I think there was one where I'm saying, I say something like, I don't speak Greek. You owe me a job. What? Am I speaking Greek? You owe me a fucking job. How do you figure that it's not tough. You got me fired from the last one. You got yourself fired. What am I speaking Greek? <laughs> yes. Well, that's from way that's from way back in season one. And then, of course, Justin Bieber made the Ruth line from season four, episode seven, go viral, where you screamed, "You're going to have to fucking kill me." Well, yeah, it became like a. a they made it into like a, a tick. I don't have TikTok, but they made it into a TikTok song, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious and kind of weird. It's so funny because now when I'm looking back, when I was prepping for that scene, I was so nervous about that scene because that scene was the scene. I've always read that that was the scene for Ruth that season. Like the the really important moment that kind of transitioned everything for the rest of the se- that for the rest of the season. Um, but when I read that line, if you're going to have to fucking kill me. You know, I was playing around with my voice. Uh, I always read it that, you know, I was screaming because everything I think wasn't all caps. So it was written like she was screaming. But I was playing around with my voice and seeing like, you know, let me scream it on a lower kind of register. You're going to have to fucking kill me. Like kind of do that. And for some reason, it it wasn't um, it's it just wasn't hitting it for me. It just wasn't. It, I don't know. There was something off with it. And then I was like, "What if I just scream almost like a like a pig or something like something that is more like like nails on a chalkboard, like yeah. like yeah. more up in the head rather than guttural in a way." And it worked. It just was it, it. It was scary because I didn't know if it was going to work. There could have had been a chance that it could have had failed. Um, and that whole day was honestly, 
I mean, I love everybody on the job, but it was a traumatizing day for me just because I just felt so exposed. I brought the ugliest side out (laughs) in a way. So I just felt like I was walking around like emotionally naked the whole day. Um, Yeah. It was it was hard. It was yeah, a hard that's day. a well. That is a, the pinnacle moment for Ruth too, because she's confronting them and dressing them down, and you lay in motion everything that's going to happen in the next, um, you know, the second part of the. Yeah. The show. Yeah, and I and I, it's kind of weird. I knew what my intentions were in the scene, but I didn't want to. I was still open to doing whatever I was going to do in the scene. Like there could have had been something that I felt like doing and I wasn't going to control. And at that moment I didn't care. I just, I didn't, I, I don't want to say I didn't care about my surroundings, but I almost didn't in a way. I, I, it, it, the whole scene, she, I, I always read it. She was like an animal in a way, like a, like a wild animal. The whole, the whole scene. So this is my last question. And this is something that I'm asking everybody uh, this season, because I like to have a theme. And last year it was fear. And this season it's ambition. So I am talking to each of my guests about their relationship to ambition. I find it very prescient coming out of a two-year pandemic to address this subject of where are we? Because I know my ambition has changed over the last couple of years. And I think about when I first met you, can't even remember when it was. I, I know the first time I saw you was in the independent film Martha Marcy May Marlene at Sundance. And I think we met shortly thereafter. And obviously, I interviewed you in the beginning of uh, your journey here with Ozark. But so much has changed since then. And I'm so, so much has changed since then. So I would like to ask you, Julia, what is your relationship with ambition these days? Hmm. Wow, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think ambition is a really can be a really beautiful thing if it's coming from um, a healthy place. But that's anything if it's coming from a healthy place. Um, I think that you should never put work as your higher power in a way. I think that's where ambition gets in the way when you put your work or other things as your higher power, I think that's very dangerous Um, because then you put all of your worth into that. And sometimes a lot of times it doesn't go the way that you want it to go. Things don't go the, that's just life, you know? So if, if you put that as your higher power in a sense, it's um, it, it messes with you. Um, I mean, it's tale as old as time. I mean, you see all these actors and film or just, I don't even want to say film people because there's a world outside of film that that's what they, they do. They, they put, you know, their work is their higher power. Um, but I think ambitious, like ambition can be something beautiful, you know, having, uh, you know, that's what can get get up, you get up in the morning in a sense, you know, I think, but there's also the sense of hope. I think hope is very important. I think when you lose hope, that's, um, that's really bad (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) you know, and that's what happened to Ruth. She lost hope. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's, what's so heartbreaking about it. Uh, so yeah, that's, it's funny. Ambition is, is a, it's a funny thing. What, how do you feel about ambition? I think my ambitions have changed, you know, life changes your ambitions. Like, you know, I, I think my ambitions when I was in my twenties are different than my thirties, different Mm -hmm. than my forties. Now in my fifties, it's something entirely different. So, um, I'd like to think I have a healthy relationship with it. Yeah. 
And I, I agree with what you're saying that it's not about you can't make work your end goal, even though you get a lot, a lot of deep satisfaction from work. Of course, it's, so it's, a sense of, it's a sense. It's a big. The problem is it's such a big sense of self, but actually it's not so much self as of it's more identity. That's an outside identity, but that's not who you are. That's not who one is. So they, I think sometimes people mix up sense of self and a sense of identity so much so, but I'm talking about outside identity so much so that even now I just said, oh, it's a sense of self. No, it's a sense of identity. It, it, it's, it's a fine, it's a fine line, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. But um, I look forward to seeing um you grow even more as an artist um, and obviously as a person, um, of course, I want to see that for you. Um, but I'm really looking forward to just tracking your career. Um, and I hope you do a lot more, uh, certainly with Netflix, but I just am really looking forward to it. I'm so happy to get you uh, on the show. And I have a whole narrative in my head about how Ruth actually survived maybe <laughs> 20 years down the road. We will see her as an older lady, you know. Yeah. I mean, her, listen, you know. she can pull, Chris Mundy can pull a spin up like a carry type of situation that my hand comes out of the ground at the end. <laughs> you know, and I just become like a corpse, like a walking you know, having revenge corpse in a way. <laughs> right. You, uh, Ruth Langmore, Ruth Langmore can, you know, cross genres, genres. It would be amazing. Um, I'm, I'm there for that. I just don't want her to die. I loved her so much, but, um, everything but has, everything has an end that just shows you that like everything, everything has an end and, and, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Cause there's just, you know, with, with endings, there's like rebirth in a way, even though Ozark isn't going to have a rebirth, but it's living forever on screen in a way. So it is. She lives forever. She lives forever. All right, Julia. Well, till the next time. And um, thank you so much for today. And I will see you later. Yes. Later on down the road. Thank you for having me. This is so great. And I'm just very grateful. Thank you. Ozark and Inventing Anna are streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com. Thank you.